Hello, and welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. It's Thursday, November 11th. Happy Veterans Day to those who are serving and have served. We're talking college sports today, zeroing in on Kansas State and Missouri. It's been good times recently for the Wildcats, as we suspected it would once the schedule turned. K-State has won three straight, and Skylar Thompson is playing extremely well. Beat writer Kellis Robinette has an interesting thought on why Thompson's passing numbers have recently improved. After a break, we catch up with Lila Bromberg, who covers the Missouri Tigers. Mizzou has a big football weekend with South Carolina visiting. The Tigers are coming off a loss to top-ranked Georgia. Lila also brings us up to date on the quarterback situation, and this lover of college basketball gives us her first impressions of the Tigers, who open the season with a 10-point victory over Central Michigan this week. Okay, let's get started talking college sports. Kellis Robinette is here. We're talking Kansas State football, and we're not talking football and basketball because we're recording this on Wednesday, and K-State Hoops opens later tonight against Florida A&M. Next time we talk to Kellis, we'll definitely have some hoopage in the conversation. But we'll just stick to football today. Kellis, Wildcats coming off the victory over in Lawrence. Pretty convincing. You know, from a, from a can, KU perspective, you, know, you pick out a couple of plays or players that might have performed all right. But when you, when you look at it from the K-State perspective, a lot went well for the Wildcats on Saturday there. It really did, and it's kind of funny because you look at the final score, 35-10. That's not nearly as lopsided as it has been in certain years, and you think, hey, what's going on here? Um, well, dig a little bit deeper, and it was quite lopsided. Kansas State averaged nearly nine yards of play, which was their highest mark of the Chris Kleiman era. I believe it was their best mark in a Big 12 game dating back over five years, and that was even with them taking their foot off foot off the gas in the second half. Every time they got near the red zone, you could tell they were going out of their way to try to get, get the ball to some unsung guys. They had a touchdown run to a running to a fullback. Um, They tried really hard to throw some touchdown passes to their backup tight ends. Um, You know, they weren't out there saying let's absolutely get this in the end zone and, you know, average 15 yards of play here, which they might've done there for a while in the second half. I think me and Jesse had it at 13 and a half was their highest uh, per play average of the day. So when you're, when you're uh, lining up and gaining a first down every single time you're moving the ball, you're doing things right. Kansas actually did a very nice job limiting the possessions KU had in the game. It was the first time in a while that a KU coach lined up and said, you know what, we're going to run clock. We're not just going to give you all these possessions to score 50 points. So that's why the score was close. So if you're going to compliment KU on anything, it's that. They actually had a coach with a decent game plan for once. But otherwise, it, I mean, great all-around game for Kansas State. They came in motivated. Skyler throws for over 200 yards. Deuce Vaughn rushes for over 100 yards. Tops 200 all-purpose yards. Defense looks great. Um, everybody came away healthy. So pretty much the perfect Sunflower Showdown from a purple perspective. Sure. And um, that was the third win in a row for, for the Wildcats. Uh, I like how you, you broke down the season in a story that's posted on KansasCity.com and Kansas.com. The, the Wildcats look great in the first three, not so great in the second three. And these third three, you know, uh, three straight victories, uh, Tech, TCU, and, and KU. And, the, the common thread through all of them has been the play of Skylar Thompson. He's probably not going to end up with the stats to give him first team all conference consideration, 
But as you said in a story that we'll post in the in the show notes here, there really isn't an important. There's not a quarterback in the Big Twelve playing better than he is right now. No, um, and you know if you contort the stats in the right way, you could really make an argument for him as first team if you throw out the fact that he missed some games. If you went by you know efficiency rating and per game performance over overall statistics, he's right there. I mean, his last five games, he's throwing for 263 yards. Uh, he's had a touchdown or at least 200 yards in five straight games since he came back from injury. I mean, those are pretty good numbers. There are certain stats that say he's the number one most efficient quarterback in the Big 12. So he, he's just been really hot these last five games. And the funny thing about it is I, I really wonder, had he not suffered that injury and uh, still been relying on his on his legs to scramble and get first downs that way, if it would have happened, it's... I really wonder if for him it's been a blessing in disguise because it's forced him to stay in the pocket and learn how to be a, a complete um, quarterback where you stay in there, you go through your progression, you find other guys. And to me, that's the most impressive thing he's done. He found 11 receivers in a game against Texas Tech. He found nine receivers in a game against Kansas. And these aren't, you know, all American receivers he's throwing to. Um, until he figured out how to how to get more guys involved, the uh, popular theory was Kansas State had the worst receiving core in the entire Big 12. And now all of a sudden, pretty much just on the strength of his arm, they're looking pretty capable, you know. They're, they're looking like a pretty solid unit all of a sudden. And it'll be interesting to see what, you know, the voters value at the end of the season. Personally, I think probably you have to go with Caleb Williams or Brock Purdy just because they're on teams that are winning a little bit more. Their overall stats are a little bit higher and especially for Caleb Williams, his highlight factor is just uh, probably going to put him over the top. But if you're looking at just, you know, just conference games, who's on the hottest streak right now, there's not many quarterbacks out there playing better. And you, and you just said it. I thought it was a really interesting point that the, it was the injury that changed a little bit of his mindset when it, when it came to staying in the pockets and that has improved him as a passer. The, the Skylar Thompson, the, that we grew up watching <laughs> That's right. was, uh, you know, you know, RPO and, um, and he, and he would R the RPO and, you know, keep it himself and, uh, and barrel over someone. I mean, he is absolutely not afraid of contact and he's a tough guy, um, you know, in, in the, in the mold of Kansas state quarterbacks over the years. So uh, to see him throw the ball with, the precision with which he's throwing it and the arm strength. I, I got a, the first hand glimpse I got was the Oklahoma game. I just thought, wow, he's got the, you know, passing chops that maybe I hadn't seen before. And he's carried that into the next few games. And that just bodes well for the Wildcats going forward, doesn't it? It does. And they're, uh, you know, for the first time, uh, really under climate, I could call them balanced. You know, it's not a case of uh, they have to run the ball to win. It's not a case that they have to play a bad run defense to win. If Skylar Thompson is going out there and you know for sure he's going to give you 200 yards through the air, that just opens up a whole lot of things. You can open up the run with the pass. You can do vice versa. And, um, I mean, boy, Kansas State has always been, um, you know, uh, really good when using um, play-action fakes. That's where Skylar Thompson has really made his money uh, under Chris Kleiman. What I found interesting is the last couple games, now that he's throwing like this, they don't really even have to rely on that anymore. They, they've got a lot of one-back sets, a lot of empty sets, where they're, they're putting everything in his hands. It's here, find the open guy, and maybe if something's not open, then you can take off on a QB scramble. Um, so he's really taking that next step as a, as a quarterback. And 
it, I didn't mention this when I was talking about the KU win, but it was, uh, it, it was impressive that he could throw for 244 yards and they could also rush for about 250. I mean, Bill Snyder would have uh, been, uh, you know, swooning over those numbers. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, now again, um, learning from your story, I, I knew that uh, West Virginia, this week's opponent had had some recent success against the Wildcats. I just remember, you know, they caught K-State on the downward side of their season last year. I didn't realize the streak was as long as it was West Virginia over, over K-State. I, I go back to the years when West Virginia joined the league and K-State had some really nice victories over the Mountaineers, a great one in, in Morgantown. I remember you and I covered a game there. Mm-hmm. And Geno Smith was the West Virginia quarterback, and um, they came in top 10, and, and, and Kansas State uh, just rolled over them. But it's is, do I have it right? Since 2015, uh, Kansas State's last victory in the series. That's right. Uh, so, since West Virginia joined the league, Kansas State started out owning them, won the first four, and since then, West Virginia has won five in a row. So they actually have the advantage as Big 12 members over Kansas State. And what's kind of interesting about that is um, Dana Holgerson, for whatever reason, when when he came into this league. And you would ask, hey, what's the big difference between the Big East and the Big 12? He talked about two things. He talked about depth and he talked about coaching. And he said, when we go up against teams, you know, from Texas, TCU, Baylor, uh, Texas, these schools that can recruit um, and, you know, in the warm weather areas, um, our starters can compete with them. But when they bring in their, you know, their reserves, they're just way better than us. And we've got to address that. And then two was some of these teams have great, you know, these great coaches who come up with these schemes that they just can't handle. And the coach he always chose is Bill Snyder. He said they just could not figure out how, and that was even harder than building up that. They just could not figure out how to play the slow down team, ground, grinded the ball out on them, played defense. It just, uh, you know, it just seemed like it was his mission um, when he was at West Virginia to turn that, the Mountaineers into a team that could beat Kansas State. And after a few times of trying, he did it. Um, he moved on and Neil Brown must have kept the same formula because, um, you know, a few of them have been close wins, but yeah, last year, 37, 10, three years ago, 35, six, um, even in Chris Kleiman's first year, um, they won eight games. West Virginia only won three or four, I think, and West Virginia still won. So it's, it's been weird. I, I think Skylar Thompson has told the story before that at the start of this week, they, uh, you know, somebody stands up and says, Hey, raise your hand. If you're a Kansas state player and you beat West Virginia. And at this point, there's not a single guy in the room who can do it. So uh, it, it's it's weird to think about that. You know, they've they've beaten Oklahoma, they've beaten Texas, they've beaten everybody in the Big Twelve lately, but not West Virginia. They just had their number. Yeah, that's a little surprising with all the super seniors and extra eligibility that's going on in college football. There's nobody in the program that has a that has a W over over the Mountaineers. So uh, 11 a.m. kick, Fox Sports One. Looking forward to that. I, Alice, I said we weren't going to talk any basketball, but I can't help myself. <laughs> They're picked ninth, in, uh, the Wildcats are picked ninth in, in the Big 12. They open tonight against, as I said, Florida A&M. Just give, give me a, a prediction for uh, a place in the league standing. Is this Does this team have the potential to be better than, uh, I, I think better, certainly better than last year's team when you take the record, but um, what, what, do you, what do you think about where this team could finish in the Big 12? You know, um, I actually really liked what I saw from them in their exhibition game. And that was even without their starting center, Davion Bradford. I think they're a lot faster. I think they've upgraded big time on offense. So I, 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 I'm cautiously optimistic that, I mean, at the bare minimum, they should 
be improved over last season. I think that they'll finish better than ninth in the Big 12 standings. Question is how much better, right? Um, you know, I can see a world where they finish sixth, which typically is enough to make the NCAA tournament. Yep. Um, the thing is, um, you know, they're not the only team in the league that went out there and got some good transfers and has stay, got old and stayed old. Uh, pretty much every team did that, you know. Uh, TCU went out and got some really good transfers. Oklahoma went out and got some really good transfers. We saw Kansas last night, got some very good transfers. Um, Texas, same deal. So, you know, just because Kansas State is upgraded, what's that going to mean in the grand scheme of things when everybody else in the Big 12 is seemingly upgraded as well? That's kind of the million-dollar question. Um, if if they were a little bit better in the portal than some of these teams I just mentioned, the, the ones they're going to have to beat are going to be Oklahoma, TCU, maybe Texas Tech. They're definitely going to have to, you know, beat beat the, the teams that they're supposed to, like Iowa State. If they do all that, I'll stand by that. I think I can see a world where they finish sixth. Um, but at the same time, if, you know, some of these transfers at TCU and Oklahoma work out, and they're the teams making making a climb up the Big 12 standings. Um, then maybe they're looking at ninth or eighth again. So that'll be an interesting thing thing to monitor. But I will say this: at the very least, this is a more exciting team to watch. Their defense might not be as good, but they're not going to be winning games by trying to you know be the first team to 50. There you go. Well, I'm looking forward to their visit to Kansas City in a, in a good tournament later this month. So uh, we will see you there. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Lila Bromberg and some Mizzou hoops and football as well. So we'll bid farewell to Kellis. Thanks, Kellis. Anytime, Blair. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Lila Bromberg covers the Missouri Tigers for the Star, and she joins us fresh off of her first college basketball game as the Missouri beat writer. They won their opener by 10 over, I forgot which direction, Central Michigan? Yes, Central Michigan. Okay. I should have remembered because it was the same opponent that they opened in football with, with, right? Central Michigan in football and Central Michigan in in, in men's basketball. And I could tell that you were pretty excited about the return of college basketball season because in the last 24 hours, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. You had about 40 tweets. On, on the oh, I did. Yes. I, I usually have a ton about football as well, but like, you know, with basketball, I have, you know, that was my main, um, main beat when I was covering Maryland. I mean, you know, basketball is the main sport over there and, you know, I love football and, and love basketball, but, you know, with basketball, though, it's always kind of been, uh, you know, a thing that I get up for every year. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it was fun to be covering basketball again. Definitely cool to, you know, see the new arena and all of that. Yeah, I was going to ask you, I know that uh, a few weeks ago when you covered your first game at Burrow Field, we, we asked you about your impressions of that. How about uh, 
Mizzou Arena, one thing that impressed me was the student section was pretty full for that game. And of course, where you sit in the arena, that is that's close to the student section. How much noise were they making? Yeah, they were, they were loud. You know, I didn't really expect to see that full of a student section for a first game. You know, you never really know what you're going to get for non-conference games. And, you know, the arena was pretty kind of empty otherwise, but, you know, you had a, a really uh, loud student section, a lot more students than I, I expected to see there. So that was really cool to see. Yeah. Listen, you're going to enjoy covering college basketball there. It's a good um, SEC schedule, you know, the good, good teams, you know, final four type teams will come into the, to the arena this year. You'll, you'll enjoy it. And Missouri did get off to a, a winning start, uh, maybe a little too close for comfort at times. Uh, they let a big lead get away, but in the end they prevailed. They made the plays down the stretch and, uh, and it was their, uh, their most experienced players who came through for them in the clutch, wasn't it? Yeah, and I had an article go up on this today. Uh, you really had Javon Pickett and, and Kobe Brown, who were the only players who really, you know, saw minutes in the rotation last year that were returning, play a really big role. They both led a 7-0 run together and uh, both had some key plays late, even though Kobe Brown wasn't playing as well er- earlier in the game. He really stepped up late and Javon Pickett really uh, impressed throughout the night. Um, so those guys showed some really key leadership. Um, you know, Missouri let central Michigan go on a 21 to six run to start the second half ended up being a two point game at one point when the two of them led that seven Oh run. So, uh, you know, that was much needed, especially when you have a group that is so new and everyone's still learning to mesh. It's kind of expected. You're going to, you know, have some rough patches there to start the season as they all try and find the right chemistry and how they want to play. And, uh, you know, the team was without three players as well, including Dejuan Gordon, um, who's definitely someone who's going to be a key part of that rotation. But yeah, I mean, really impressive from those two guys uh, to step up and really leave the team late. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the missing players. They were all for different reasons, weren't they? Yeah. So you had uh, Caleb Brown, who is Kobe's younger brother. I wrote an article about the two of them, uh, a big feature that went up earlier this week. He was out, uh, you know, with flu-like uh, symptoms. He didn't practice for a few days earlier in the week, just, you know, was feeling sick. Um, and then you, as I mentioned, you had Gordon, um, who was, you know, kind of one of those weird, wanky, uh, you know, NCAA rules suspended for a game for, I guess, competing in a summer league scrimmage or, or game or something like that. Um, and then you had another uh non-COVID-related injury to another one of their freshmen, uh, Trayvon Brazili. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with uh, the two freshmen, but you will have, um, you'll have Gordon back next game. And, you know, I w- from what I heard, I, w- I would think that you're going to have, you know, Brown back as well because they play on Monday. Right. How about a good word from my man, uh, Ronnie DeGrave III? You know, I've, you know, I've been touting him for weeks because I think I've, and I've mentioned this to you before. I, I covered his dad. I'm finding that that's happening a lot to me lately, that um, the sons of players that I've covered are, uh, are now college or even pros, but he came through with the double-double. Yeah, he was, he was really impressive for the game. I mean, he had that double-double and had a pass that really impressed me in the game as well. Um, yeah, finished with 13 points and, and 12 rebounds, uh, shot four of nine from the floor, struggled from you know, deep a little at times, shooting one for four from beyond the arc. But, you know, he was in really, really impressive, uh, showed some great vision. He had a lot of 
um, you know, you could just tell he had a lot of effort plays. He had a, a one play where, um, you know, he went in for, he had taken a three point shot and went in for his own miss, scrambled to get the ball and put in the put back bucket. You know, I always love seeing plays like that guys that are making effort plays. So that was something I was really impressed with from him. And he also had a three blocks as well. Very good night for, for him, the UMass transfer. Um, Hey, before we switch sports and we're going to talk about football here in a second, uh, Missouri got some, some good news on the recruiting front this week. They didn't get a, um, uh, they didn't get a player, but a player, a top prospect narrowed his choices and, uh, and Missouri remained on the list. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Mark Mitchell, who is a five-star for a class of 2022, uh, he believe is, uh, number 15 on the 24 seven, uh, composite, if I'm not mistaken, um, he narrowed his list. So you're going to have Missouri, uh, Duke and UCLA as his final three. Um, you know, from what I've heard, um, just, you know, from other people, not direct reporting, but just from what kind of, you know, people have been saying, it sounds like, you know, Duke and UCLA are going to be the heavy favorites there, but for Missouri to even be in that top three is huge. And, um, you know, he's known the Missouri staff for a long time, so you never know how that could work out, but to even be in the three in the top three for someone like that, um, you know, that's a program that could really, uh, that's a player that could really change a program. You already have four star Aiden Shaw, who actually is supposed to be signing his national letter of intent any minute now. Um, so, I mean, if you can somehow add both him and Mark Mitchell to that 2022 class, Shaw was already their best prospect to commit to the program since 2013. You had Mark Mitchell in there, and that could really, really be huge for this team. Right, and Mitchell from Kansas City went to Bishop Meage, and now is, at, I believe, at Sunrise Christian down in Wichita. And um, and the school he eliminated was Kansas, so that makes it even sweeter, sweeter for for Missouri fans. Um, okay, Lila, let's talk a little football. Uh, we don't have to spend much time on what happened at um, in between the hedges, but um, a, a the Missouri finds itself a one point favorite on Saturday with South Carolina coming to town. South Carolina coming off a very impressive victory over over the Florida Gators with 40 to 17 Shane Beamer's first year already has a signature victory. So, um, I, you know, you have to, with the, with the, the line, what it is, you have to look at this as a victory opportunity for the Tigers. The question I have is who's going to play quarterback for, for Mizzou on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, that's something that we're still going to be waiting to find out. You know, you asked Eli Drinkwitz about it and it's always a reference to the injury report but the injury report is also not going to tell us anything. So, I mean, I don't think we're really going to know until uh, we see on Saturday. Um, I think, you know, between the backups, Brady Cook and Tyler Macon, if, you know, Drinkwitz did have to go with one of them, um, I would think it would be Brady Cook, Tyler Macon, um, you know, really struggled to, to pass against Georgia, was trying to sidearm some passes, Um you know, I don't know if that's a bit of just trying to be like Patrick Mahomes or, or more or just, you know, him being barely, you know, maybe 5'10". He's listed at six foot. He's probably more around 5'10 and trying to get around some of those big Georgia defenders. But, you know, he's a true freshman still learning in the playbook. So, you know, I would think if you have Bazelak out, you're probably going to be going with Brady Cook. 
I mean, I mean, we'll see what happens. They let us watch maybe five minutes, if that, of stretches uh, on uh, Tuesday. Uh, and Connor Bazelak, you know, didn't, I mean, wasn't really fully going through some of the stretches and warmups and uh, was just kind of out there walking around a little bit gingerly, uh, but we didn't really get to see him throw or, or, or much or anything like that. So it's hard to tell, but he definitely didn't seem at 100% when we were watching him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. This is certainly a big game for Mizzou. These next two games are in terms of, are you finishing second to last in the SEC East or are you moving up, you know, two or three spots there? Becoming bowl eligible. It didn't seem possible uh, a while back. I don't know if it still is possible, but, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, based on, I don't know, the way Florida's played here, they've lost three in a row. Their defense has been so bad. Dan Mullen's having to, uh, defend himself. I think he's safe, but it, Florida's in a bad way right now. If, if Missouri can find a way to you know, squeak one out here and, and and beat the Gators, they're they're in, right? Uh, they they just need two of. Uh, or do I have that wrong? I don't have the record in front of me. No, yeah, they have four wins right now. So yeah. I, I think the last game against Arkansas, I don't I don't see them winning that one on the road. One, right. I still think that these next two games are going to be really tough. I think it's a situation where like you know they could win zero, they could win two it really could go either way. And, you know, a lot of it depends on that quarterback situation, what we see from a defense, but yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. Like you mentioned, you know, Florida has really been having a rocky season after, you know, starting ranked and almost beating Alabama earlier in the year. And they've just gone completely downhill since, um, you know, have fired some coaches and coordinators. So that'll definitely be an interesting matchup. These next two weeks are certainly really crucial for Mizzou. That's right. And of course, you know, becoming bowl eligible gives the program an extra month of practice, an extra game. It allows a program to play uh, guys that didn't necessarily play much during the regular season. There's all kinds of benefits to a postseason game. But to me, the biggest one is you would get to cover a bowl game for the first time. I'm like four years covering college and I still have not covered a bowl game. (laughs) So that's what I'm pulling for. You know, it'd be great for Mizzou, but it'd be even greater for you. All right, Lila, great catching up, and we'll do it again next week. All right, thank you. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Callis Robinette and Lila Bromberg for stopping by and talking college sports. Stories about Kansas State and Mizzou can be found in the show notes and on kansascity.com. Hey, so let's talk about the morning sports edition. If you're not seeing it, you're really missing out. On KansasCity.com, go to the Star Z edition. That's a replica of the printed newspaper on your screen that comes with your digital subscription. Well, now there's an updated sports section produced separately that goes along with it. When you open the e-edition, there's a box in the upper right-hand corner that says All Editions. Click on that and you can access um, anywhere from 15 to 50 pages of sports. You can also get it through an email. I do, and it's there by 6 a.m. every morning. However you see it, you know what I'm talking about. It is complete coverage of the previous day's sports, news, features, statistics, everything. It's fantastic. Hey, thanks for reading The Star and listening to our podcast lineup. You're helping support the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City, and we could not produce programs like Sports Beat KC without you. We'll be back on Friday discussing the Chiefs game this weekend at the Las Vegas Raiders. It'll start as a Sports Beat Live at 9.30 in the morning. Hope you can join us then. If not, we'll have it as a podcast later in the day.